Welcome folks. Tonight we're going to be continuing on uh, part two of our series on spiritual warfare. And last week we dealt with principalities and powers. And this week I want to deal with demons. And remember that last week we dealt with the different rankings and what their function was. But I said that I'd leave demons for tonight because they are slightly different than fallen angels. Okay, so let's deal with demons tonight, and then we're going to go on to deliverance. How do I deliver somebody from a demon? Alright, first of all, and it's very important that you get this, demons don't have bodies. This is the main thing that differentiates them from fallen angels. Fallen angels have bodies. They physically can appear, you can see them. The Bible says that they can even appear as the angel of light. In other words, they can look quite attractive until you get an uneasy feeling and you can actually rebuke it and then you get the real picture. This demonic creature that's standing in front of you. Now that is a fallen angel and they have bodies and they move around. And we've discussed it, that one of the biggest things that they will do is they will control the leaders of a nation and try and influence a nation. I'm not going to recap everything. Alright, but now we're talking about demons. Okay, now demons are not part of the fallen uh, third of the angels that had been thrown out of heaven. Now, just before I get into this, I'll throw in the pasala. What I really appreciate is this, is that so many of us are so nervous of Satan and these demons or these fallen angels or this group that he's got around him, that most of us today, if I speak about spiritual stuff and I speak about evil, everybody's scared of the devil. But let me tell you something, that God did not for one second flinch when Satan rebelled. He did not even get off his throne. He just said, listen Michael, throw Satan out and throw his chummies out with him. And Michael sorted out these angels one shot. There wasn't even a war, there wasn't a debate, there wasn't this massive onslaught of this battle going on in heaven. Satan was thrown out without any issue. In fact, he was the praise and worship leader, and the warrior threw the praise and worship leader out of home. That's what happened. So I want you to understand, when we start speaking about angels and God's army, we are talking about a mighty force. We're not talking about a little small thing. We are talking about a force who actually knows what they are doing. Okay, so when God said, Satan, you are thrown out of heaven, Michael threw him out of heaven. So I want you to know that God is in control. God is way stronger and bigger than the devil. We've got this picture that there's almost this fight. They're equal. They know we're near equal. Okay? It's like you trying to fight with a little rabbit in your house. I mean, there's no comparison. You'll just step on it and it's finished. God can sort Satan out at any time because he created him. So I want you to know that God is in control. Okay? The reason why he has left left Satan and allowed all of this to happen is so that you can get to a place where you can have a free choice. God was looking for a creation that had a free choice. They chose him because they wanted to. And then he said, I'm going to give you the power so that you can learn how to reign and rule on this earth. 
So every opposition is actually an opportunity for you to kick the devil and show him who's boss. So that is the purpose why Satan is still around today. And that is why you don't go to heaven the minute you get born again. God wants you on this earth so that you can learn how to overcome and have the victory on this earth. Okay, so now back to demons. So if they did not come from the, the fallen angels, where did they come from? Where, what is their origin? What is their purpose? They start off in Genesis chapter 6. Now remember, when God threw out the angels, they were restricted to what we know what we know as the first heaven. In other words, the atmosphere around the earth. The second heaven is the universe, and the third heaven is where God lives. So just so that you have an understanding when we speak about the three heavens. So they were kept in the first heaven. The demonic forces are restricted to the first heaven. Only Satan himself goes to the throne room into the third heaven. Because he sits there 24 hours and he is busy accusing the brethren. That's his job. That's why the story of Job came about in one of those discussions. He goes, listen, I was checking the earth and God says, listen, have you seen Job? Remember the whole discussion. Satan wasn't on the earth. Satan was in the throne room. Okay, so that's been going on for a long time already. So anyway, I want us to turn to Genesis chapter 6. And I want you quickly to read what happened here. Verse 2 to 4. It says that the sons of God, and this is the fallen angels, okay? They were the creation of God. Alright? Saw that the daughters of men, that they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves of whom they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. There they were giants on the earth in those days, and also afterwards, and the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bore children to them. Alright, and these were the mighty men who were of old men of renown. Now I want you to understand what happened here. The angels started having sex with the woman. And they created this generation of giants. Also known as Nephilims. Okay, you can read about it right through the Old Testament. You'll see this generation of giants. Goliath was one. Og was another one. I mean, there's lots of them in the Bible. Okay, so that's why when David took on Goliath, he was dealing with something that was significant because it wasn't just a human being. He was part of a gene pool that had come from a fallen angel race. It was very significant. So here comes the problem. What happened to these angels? Do they still have sex with women today? No, they don't. Okay, the Bible says in Jude chapter 1 verse 6, it says, And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, these fallen angels, that did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. So in other words, God said, listen, those angels that had sex with a woman, I bind them up and I keep them in chains until I can judge them properly. So that's why it's not happening today. So here comes the interesting thing. When that person dies, 
When that person dies at 120 odd years is the maximum that we allowed on the human race now because of this event. Okay? And a lot of people sit down and say, okay, well, in, in Psalms it says, Psalms or Proverbs, I'm not sure, it says, listen, your days are numbered to 70. Go and read that. It had nothing to do with the human race there. It had to do with the guys in the wilderness. They had to die off quickly so the new generation could go into the promised land. Okay, so God had said to them, you guys get 70 years. The rest of the population on the planet get 120 years. So you can trust God for 120 years. That's the normal lifespan that God has promised you. Okay. So now back to the story. So now you've got these giants running around. Half man and half demonic spirit. So now what happens is this is when they die, they can't go to heaven. They can't get born again. Because they are not from man. They've got an illegitimate, that spirit has an illegitimate right on this earth. So what had happened was, the minute those giants died at 120 years, that spirit became a demon. They are spirits floating around looking for a body to possess or to control or to have influence with. Now, these demons, they hold the rank in Ephesians. Remember we went through the ranks? They hold the rank of wickedness in heavenly places. They are just wicked. They cause trouble, and that is the level that we most commonly come across. How many people have heard of things, you know, floating in the house, furniture moving, door slamming, or seeing a person walking, their granny or their grandma or somebody walking in the house? Come on, we've heard of these stories. Alright? All those things are performed by these demons. Most Satanists love using these demons to manipulate situations. When they pray over a family and they'll say, listen, we pray for divorce on this family. Who comes and brings in that strife? It is called a spirit of strife or a spirit of fear. These are these demons that come into a place and they cause trouble. And so these are the, the le- this is the level that we most commonly will come in contact with. It's not often they will come in contact with a, with, a, with a principality or a power or a ruler that's controlling a nation. We will come in contact with demons. Every one of us have had and been involved in some situation where there has been the demonic activity without you even realizing. The Bible says wherever there is strife, every evil work and demonic thing takes place. It opens a door for these demons to come into your house. How many of you have ever been in a place and you feel like the atmosphere is not nice? What is going on? There's a demonic presence in that house. How many of you have ever had a dog barking at nothing? A dog just stands and barks, there's nothing or nobody there. Because the dog is picking up that spirit. The animals pick it up very quickly. Okay. So now, we need to understand that they hold the rank of wickedness in heavenly places. They roam continually in the atmosphere looking for the right to inhabit a body. They are looking for a reason to get into somebody's body. Because they don't have one. So they need to come in. 
So what happens is this, is what gives them the right? The Bible says in Ephesians 4.27, don't give place to the devil. What does that mean? Even as a Christian, if you do something that is totally wrong against God's word deliberately, you are going to open yourself up to a demonic influence into your life. The spirit then goes, listen, this person is doing wrong. Satan himself stands before God and says, listen God, Arthur's gone and done something wrong. I demand a judgment on this. And he goes, yes, you can have a right into his life. And that spirit then comes into my life legally and starts messing in my life. So the Bible says, flee youthful lusts. Flee certain things. Get rid of sin in your life. You know, why? It's not that God's worried about you going to heaven. He's worried about you having hell on earth. Okay, because you're opening yourself up to something. That's why even Job did. The Bible says that Job, when they discuss Job's story, and then you go read it properly, it says, the thing that I feared most has come upon me. See, that fear opened up a door for a spiritual attack. That fear opened up such a heavy door that he lost everything and his family. All his kids and family, everybody died. Now God did restore it, but still, can you imagine going through that loss? Now, the next thing that's important about these demons is that they are very territorial. They stay in an area. You'll see that they don't like moving around. Okay, so we get a story of Mark uh, with Jesus in Mark chapter 5, verse 9 to 12. It says this, And then he said to him, What's your name? And he answered saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. Also he begged him earnestly that he would not send him out of the country. How's this? The demon saying, please Jesus, don't send me out of the country. Now a large herd of swine was feeding near the mountains. So all the demons begged him saying, send us into the swine that we may enter them. So yeah, the demons are going, listen, please don't send us out of the country. You've come, don't torment us before our time. We know we're going to get tormented and we're going to get judged and everything else by you. But it's not our time yet. Don't send us out of the country. Put us into the swine. Why do they want to go into the swine? Because they wanted to get into a body. When they got into the swine, what did they do? They killed the swine. So that they are then free to roam again in the country and then go and possess somebody else. Now what is interesting is this. Surely, Jesus could have said, listen, I'm not going to let you into another body. I will bind you in the pit. Or I will, excuse me, restrict your access or whatever. You are tormenting people. He did not do that. He actually set them free. He let them continue so that they can continue their job. Why? Because God wants us to learn how to have authority over them. You can't have authority if Jesus has come and bound up every devil and none of them are running around. You're going to have no opposition. So God has allowed it that the demons continue to roam over the cities and in the areas. Now how many of you know that every city have got certain strongholds? And it's this group of demons that are busy controlling that city or have stayed in that area so long. Okay, so this is important that you understand this. How many of you know what is the stronghold over Paul Elizabeth? Lethargy. 
There's a, there's a strong, a lethargic spirit over Paul Elizabeth. Just never get going. Okay? What do you think the spirit is over Cape Town? Homosexuality. What do they call Cape Town? The mother city. Where are the fathers? If you go and look, general population, there's a very strong matriarchic thing running there. What is the homosexual um, tally in the population? Very, very high. Why? Because that's the spirit operating there. You'll find out that a lot of strong women who don't want to submit love Cape Town. Why? Because of that spirit over that place. What's the spirit over Joburg? Money. You want to spend. I mean, you rock up in Joburg, you just want to go and spend money. Okay? So you can carry on with city after city after city, and I don't have time to go through this now. But I want you to know that there are strong territorial demons that then start influencing that entire area. And you need to start handling them and sorting that out if you want to start changing a city. Now, in Mark chapter 16 verse 17, Jesus Christ commands every believer to start casting out devils. It says, And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out devils and they will speak in new tongues. So I want you to understand that right from the beginning, Jesus Christ is expecting us as believers to have dominion over these demons. He did not say, I want you to cast out principalities and powers. Remember, now we're dealing with the fallen angels. I showed you how to deal with them. But he's expecting you to sort out these spirits that are running around and causing mayhem and havoc everywhere. I want you to know that Jesus Christ never ever saw them as an issue at all. Jesus Christ did not die and go and disarm them. They never had any weaponry at all. They just got people to do what they wanted them to do. Out of fear. So I want you to understand something. Remember when Jesus sent out his disciples and they went out and cast out devils. Jesus hadn't even died yet. And they were coming back. In your name we were casting out devils. Remember? And he said, don't get excited about that. Remember that your, na- your name's in the Lamb's Book of Life. Okay, so now I want you to know, it is very important that you understand demons are not an issue. But they are a huge issue if you are allowing them in your life. So, what happens, let me give you another example quick. What happens if I'm sitting down and, I, and I'm in my house and suddenly I see my grandmother come and see me? Come on, we've seen this lots. My grandmother came who's been dead for 50 odd years and now she comes to speak to me and let me tell you something, she is 100% true in what she's telling me. Okay? What is going on? The Bible speaks about a familiar spirit. It's one of these demons. This demon was around with your granny. Might even have been in your granny. And when your granny dies, they don't have a body anymore. So what do they do? They appear in your granny's form, because they don't have a body. They take a form of something, and then tell you stuff, and then you think it's the truth. Because only you and granny knew this. 
And then you start listening to this, and meanwhile, it is a demon that is trying to sidetrack you. So the Bible calls it a familiar spirit. I recognize it. I'm familiar with it. So whenever you see a loved one that's gone on, the Bible says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. There is no detour around the planet and going to go say hello to cousins and whatever. Okay. So, I want you to know that if you see that, rebuke it, and then you'll see what it really is. Because it can take on a form. Alright, so now, I want us to understand that demons are not a major issue, but they are a major issue if you allow them in your life. So, I'm going to start going over to deliverance now. I'm going to start dealing with deliverance with a whole lot of questions that are always raised. Okay, and people have always asked me, and I'm going to deal with it in this context. First of all, what is deliverance? Okay, people ask, you know, I went for deliverance, and they can call it exorcism. Okay, it's lots of different names, it's the same thing. Alright, what is deliverance? Number one, I want you to take note of this. Number one, deliverance is not a ministry. I need you to understand this. Deliverance is not a ministry. It's not, this is the fivefold ministry and deliverance. I have a special ministry to do this. People are doing that because they don't want to equip the saints to be able to do it. So it looks like they are some hot shot special guy who can handle demons. Meanwhile, God says, I want every believer to do it. In Mark chapter 16 verse 17, it says it's for every believer. So what is the definition of deliverance? Very easy. It brings somebody into liberty after they've been bound in an area for whatever reason. You've got an area in your life that you've got an issue, we get rid of the influence over that area and you get set free. It's as simple as that. Alright, there's not such a thing as identifying each demon alright, that's attacking. Jesus never did that. I mean, we just read the story now of the legion. A legion is 6,000 demons. A guy's got 6,000 demons... And now the people say to you, you have to name them one by one. You know how long you're going to be just to name them? And you miss one, and then you still got a problem. Come on. I want to tell you something, that I have been involved with deliverance and Satanism for years. Okay? I have had Satanists stay in my house. I have had people with the weirdest issues come to my house. I've had so many Satanists in my home cell that I can't even have praise and worship. Because they start manifesting in my home cell. We're going to like play it calm. We've had the executioner come and stay at my house. The guy who goes and rapes the people and puts cats on their doors and you know all the stuff that you've heard about. He comes and stays in my house. He's stolen my hi-fi. He's taken stuff in and out. But we go and haul him, bring him back. Let me tell you something. That guy got totally set free. He ended up on carte blanche. They interviewed him and whatnot on him. I want to tell you something. I know what I'm talking about when we deal with the occult and with Satanism and demonic stuff. It's one area that God has really helped me. But guess what? I don't have a demon deliverance ministry. Okay, I'm not the ghostbuster of PE. 
I'm here to equip you so that you can clap the devil. When the devil rocks up at my house, I'll sort him out. If somebody needs help, I will go and sort it out. If I've got time, I'll tell you some stories. There's been some fun stuff that I've had to do. It's very exciting when you come there. I mean, I remember one time, I think I was only about 16 years old, and I'm rocking up at the police station, and here's all these big Buddha running out the police station, dead scared of a Satanist manifesting, and here comes Kippy as crawl as skinny as anything running inside there. And when you sit down and suddenly you've got girls who are like 14 odd years old pulling up wall to wall carpet with their bare hands. Ripping it up. Throwing men around. And you know this is at least action. You know what I mean? This is great Christianity. At least something's happening. And then God had to teach us how to handle this. So I want to just deal with some of these things. The next thing that I have a big problem with is the terminology that's often used. How many of you have ever heard of this thing of demon possessed? In the old King James it was used like that. I have a problem with it. Simply because possession means that you have no control. Or no say or no right. Okay? I would rather prefer the term demonization. Now demonization simply means the degree that the devil's influencing my life. Now look at this guy with the legion. He had 6,000 demons. Jesus never came to him. He came to Jesus. 6,000 demons and the demons could not keep him away from Jesus. Let me tell you something. Demons are liars. They rule out of fear. I can't tell you how many demons physically have told me they're going to kill me. I get very excited when I hear that statement because I know that their days are finished. They are coming out very quick. That's like the last resort. They'll do everything to intimidate you to get you to back off. I mean, I remember one time I get home late at night and I was busy with a youth meeting and I'm saturated under the anointing. And I'm sitting there, I'm really tired and I get this phone call. There's this one oak that's busy manifesting on the pavement. So I get in my car and I go down to go and check the slide out. I get there and there's a stack of people. Probably about 20 odd people all around this guy. And I'm hearing them and I'm standing at a distance. And the one's saying, come out, come out, come out. The other one says, name yourself. The other one says, shut up. I'm thinking, poor devil, he doesn't know who to listen to, what to do. Okay. But the next second, and I'm probably about, you know, 10, 15 meters away from this circle. And the next second, this guy stiffens up. And he looks through the legs like this and he goes, I'm going to kill you, looking at me. And I'm going, I see you too. Me and you are going to have fun here tonight. Within half an hour, that guy was totally set free. So I'm going to teach you how to do that. Okay? So if anybody says they've got a deliverance ministry, you can say, I I have two. Okay? Because I've got a big problem when people go around and they make money out of this thing. Okay? God says it's for the body of Christ. It's not this big hype of fear. I don't come here and tell you how slack the devil is. I'm here telling you how great God is. Let's kick the devil and get him in his place. Alright. The term demon possession implies that you do not have a choice. Everyone has a choice as we saw in Mark chapter 5. 
are at the only levels of demonization. That guy who has a legion, 6,000, he's got an issue. The Bible says that he was so bad that they used to chain him with chains and you'd break the chains. So they couldn't contain this guy and they couldn't do anything to him. Until Jesus rocks up and he comes screaming to Jesus and then the demons go, please don't torment us. And then they, these big demonic things are begging Jesus to put them into pigs. Come on, I want you to see the picture. No matter what they say or what they do, I'm telling you this so that if you have an experience and they threaten you, you tell them, you're just a liar man. You little wimp. You're going to be sorted out today. Okay? Next question. Is deliverance necessary? No. Now that might sound very weird, but listen to me. Inner healing and deliverance would not be necessary if you really released everything at salvation. When I get born again, when I get born again, and I say to God, God, I surrender all, and I mean it. Every demonic spirit has got to go the minute I surrender my life to Jesus Christ. The problem that we have is, is that we just add Jesus to our lifestyle. We don't surrender everything at the cross. We say, Jesus, I need you to help me, but I still want to keep my sin. I like this issue of sin, I like that issue of sin, so we just add you to the mix. Unfortunately, we both need inner healing and deliverance because we carry excess baggage into our Christian walk. Do you know that some of the evangelists in the early centuries, I know people like Smith Wigglesworth and John Wesley and these guys, they wouldn't let you get born again unless you've been 10 days more than 10 days in a meeting. Because they said, you better be serious before I even let you get saved. You have to earn the right to get saved. It's not like everybody just gets saved, yeah? You've got to earn the right. I've got to see that you're desperate, you're going to leave all your rubbish behind and make sure that you have faith in your life so that you can carry on being a proper Christian. Now we're not like that today. We go, we go in the street and we just get anybody born again. You know, and we don't follow them up, we don't walk a road with them, we don't do anything. We just say, ah, no, just add Jesus to the mix. And I'm not saying don't get people born again. I'm saying get them born again properly. Get them placed to, where they receive Jesus Christ and let go of the past. Get rid of the junk. That's why water baptism is so important. Water baptism's primary function is to show you that you have died to your past life. It is to clear your conscience according to Peter. 1 Peter says that it is there to clear your conscience so that Satan can't remind you of your past. You can say, the day that I got water baptized is the day that I died. My past is finished. I'm a new creature from that date. It's important, guys. That's how we help people get set free. Because the devil's a liar. Okay. Isn't deliverance a negative thing? How many of you have heard that deliverance, woo, did you go to deliverance? I did yay and sonder in your liver. What did you do wrong? What sin have you got in your life that you have to go for deliverance? It is not a negative thing. Okay. It's a very positive sign of growth and somebody getting rid of bondages that are in their life. If you've got issues in your life and you want to get set free, then go somewhere where you can get set free. And go through deliverance and break the thing off your life once and for all. So that you can move on with God and fulfill what God has for you. So it's not a negative thing in any manner or means. 
Alright, the next question that I'm asked is, can a Christian have a demon? Now, a lot of theologians believe that a Christian cannot have a demon. Now, I was in a spiritual meeting one day and there was about, probably about 4,000 odd, between four and 8,000 people in this meeting. And the preacher stood up and he said, and it was mainly pastors and leaders around the nation, and they spoke about how much bondage he had in his life, and he called these guys up, whoever wanted um, prayer, and about 4,000, half of the crowd, there's about 8,000 people, about 4,000 went forward, and the next second they started to manifest a whole stack of them. I nearly fell off my chair, I sat down going, how can these pastors have issues? You know, I thought these guys all born again and serving God, and suddenly there's this whole thing of people having issues. Well, let me tell you something. A a demon can only attach himself into two areas of your life. Onto your soul and onto your body. He cannot attach himself onto your spirit. When you get born again, your spirit man is totally clear. It cannot do anything. Um, Demonic forces cannot attach to your spirit. Okay? That's why the Bible says that you need to work out your salvation. Work it from your spirit into your soul, into your body. So the devil can come onto your body like sickness, spirit of infirmity, all of those things. Those demons come onto your body. They can come into your soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Okay, and it controls your mind. It controls the way you think. You can hear voices. Have you heard of these people that sit down and say, I hear voices? Okay? Because it's in their mind. There's demons inside, and they have this clash. They hear themselves talking, and suddenly there's another voice giving them other instructions. So it's important that you understand that a demon can latch onto your soul or onto your body, but cannot latch onto your spirit. And even if you have a demon inside of you, or a hundred demons inside of you, you will still go to heaven. As long as you've accepted Jesus Christ, you are just going to have absolute hell on earth. Because you're going to have this clash inside of you, and you're not going to know which way to go and how to handle it. Okay. Why is it, next question, why is it that Christians can be under the anointing for years, and all of a sudden manifest a demon? Very good question. I've been in many situations where people have been born again for 10, 15 years. Everything's fine. They'll be under worship, under anointing, everything fine. And then one day, they start manifesting a demon. Now everybody turns around getting shocked and going, Well, what sin has this person suddenly got into? It's not that at all. What happens is this. A demon will only manifest itself when it's threatened. Now I want you to listen to this. If it is not threatened, it never manifests itself. Now I want to tell you something, that this can be so deep-rooted that you're not even totally aware of it. Now I'm going to let you into a secret. I had a spirit of fear operating in my life ever since I was a child. I was casting out demons, I was under the anointing, I could pray in tongues, I could move in the power, I could do everything in the gifts, and then only in my 30s did this thing manifest. 
I did not manifest in the sense of, you know, that I was being thrown across the room. I was busy with an inner healing thing, which I really wasn't very keen on this thing. And I'm busy lying there, and they were going through a womb experience. In other words, every month, and they were busy with an inner healing thing. And all of a sudden, they hit one month, and I just had the spirit of fear physically start attacking me in this place. I knew about demons, so I knew how to handle it, and I sorted this thing out very quickly. But I was totally shocked. I said, where did this come from? And only afterwards did I realize that I'd had a spirit of fear, because what had happened was, my mother was playing badminton when I was pregnant, and she nearly lost me, and that fear that she had came onto me. And that demonic spirit got gripped my life from birth. So I want you to know as a Christian, you can have demonic influences. But the minute you allow God to open up, and and you say, God, come into my life, every area of my life, expose it. If there's a demonic influence, get rid of it. God, show me. And some of these things are so deep-rooted and they're so hidden, and that's why Christians could go years without even manifesting anything. So I want you to know that it's like a house. With, with a lot of bedrooms. And a lot of us sit down and say, Jesus, you can go into the lounge, uh, you can have the kitchen, but listen, there's this one room that I don't want to touch. I had a trauma as a child, it might have been a rape, a, a molestation, whatever. And a lot of people say, this area I don't want you to touch. As they grow in the Lord, they get to the place and say, God, I want to clear out my whole house. The minute they open that door, that demon is now threatened. You guys with me? And now it starts getting, it manifests, and then all of a sudden we say the person's bad or something's wrong. There's nothing wrong with the person. It's actually a positive thing, and now they're getting to the place where they can be set free. So a demon only manifests or exposes itself when it's threatened. A demon will latch onto an area that it has a right to stay there because of you. Or like in my case, my mother. Okay? The Bible says that curses get passed down from generation to generation. Alright, as you grow, area after area is dealt with, and eventually you hit the area where the demon is, and it has to expose itself. It's like the Israelites possessing the land. They had to take one battle at a time, but eventually they possessed the entire place. So one battle at a time, they had to start getting uh, victory. And once they got the victory that they needed, then they get this thing sorted out. So this is how you get to the place of being totally set free is allowing God into your life. So what I'm going to do right now is I want to deal with the actual deliverance. I want you to understand that a demon is a spirit being that influences your life, controls your life, and wants to make your life absolutely hell and bring you into bondage. But you can totally overcome the devil. You can overcome this demonic thing because it is not a major deal to do it. But the church has made it a big hype and a big story. And so, so much so that people are dead scared of demons. The other thing that has happened is the media, and not only the media, I'm talking about uh, entertainment, our movies. You know the spirit of fear, the poltergeist, all of these stories. They create such fear that people are dead scared of the things when it starts happening. You know, I told the story once before. I said we were busy looking for a house. And I went to this one house and I could sense the demonic presence in this house was so strong. I said to Janine, listen, don't worry about the atmosphere. I can sort that out quick. Do you like the house? Because I can get it cheap. (laughs) 
Somebody else is going to stay in this house. I could sense the spirit of death. I said, who killed themselves here? So this, the estate agent said to me, listen, how do you know somebody died here? I said, I can sense the spirit of death. And somebody had committed suicide and that's why they're selling the house. I said, no problem. I sought that out. So Janine didn't really like the house. I wouldn't buy it. So the point is, demons are not an issue as long as you take your authority and sort it out. So if a demon comes into your house, all you have to do is, in the name of Jesus, I command every demonic spirit to leave this house. Now remember, you are dealing with demonic spirits. You are dealing with this wickedness in heavenly places. You are not dealing with principalities and powers. They only get taken out by the word of God like I explained last time. Okay, so you give the word, but if you have this thing where things change in your house, or things change in your situation, then you deal with it in the name of Jesus, and you bind it, and you cast it out. Now do not send the devil to dry pits and wherever else. Jesus never did that. So what I do is, when I bind the devil, and I command him to go, then he will listen to whatever you tell him. So I say, you go where Jesus sends you. I don't care where that is, it's just not in my house. Now be careful in what instruction you give a demon. If you don't give a demon an instruction specifically what to do, he will listen to the last instruction. Give you an idea. If you are casting out a demon out of somebody and you command the devil to loose the person and you just leave it like that, that demon will come out of the person and then stay in your house where you cast them out. They stay in the room. Why? Because they want to be territorial. They're not going to go into the sky, into the atmosphere. They're just coming out of the person like you told them to. Are you guys with me? So be specific when you deal with demons. Tell them exactly what you want them to do. It's like there's one case. They walk into this house and you, there's a demon standing in the corner. He said, listen, do you know that you had a demon in your house? And they thought about it and they said, yeah, we had a deliverance here last week and somebody told the devil to come out and go stand in the corner. So now the devil is still standing in the corner because that was the instruction given. Okay, so what I'm going to do now is I'm going to teach you the two types of deliverance that you get. The one is somebody coming for deliverance and saying, listen, I want to come for counsel, I want to deal with issues in my life, I want to grow up, I want to handle this thing properly. And the other one is in a church meeting, when somebody just starts manifesting, have you seen it? When somebody starts screaming or going more, okay? How do you handle these two scenarios? Alright, firstly, let's look at the person coming for counseling. They want to get set free, they know they've got issues in their life and they want to handle this thing. Alright, this is very important that you get this. This is what we call the three-phase approach. We call it the 45-10-45 principle. Now what does that mean? It means... In the time allocation that you've got dealing with the person, 45% of the time goes towards pre-deliverance counsel. 10% for deliverance and 45% for post-deliverance counsel. Yay, power. Okay, now I don't know where to start now. Are we going to go back and recap where we were? Where do you guys want to go? Okay, because it's messing up with the video for you guys. Alright. Let's just carry on. 
I might have to do this again somewhere. Alright, pre-deliverance counsel is 45% of the time that you've got with a person. You're going to pre-deliverance counsel. What do I do in that pre-deliverance counsel? Is I find the root. I found out what opened the door to letting the devil into their life and messing with their life. So in other words, I need to find out what happened so that that person ended up with a demonic problem. Alright, so what do I mean by that? Is I need to see what happened. Was it a trauma that happened? Did they open the door? Did they have sin in their life? What happened that allowed the devil into their life? Now, let me let you into a big secret. 99% of the time, it's rooted in unforgiveness. 99% of the time, it's rooted in unforgiveness. That's why Jesus actually says, listen, if you don't forgive others, I can't forgive you. Your prayers will not even be answered if you have unforgiveness. Why? Because that's the stronghold of the devil. So the quickest way is this. Is you say to somebody, you say, listen, do you hate anybody? They say, yes. You go, okay. That's where your issue is. The devil has got a stronghold in your life and he's got a right into your life. He will control your life. Alright, explain what deliverance is about and how to keep the door closed before you do a deliverance. It doesn't help you chuck the devil out and the person doesn't know how to close the door and the devil comes back seven times worse. Then you've got a bigger problem on your hands. So you need to explain what deliverance is about, which I'll go through now and you'll know. Explain the whole thing to them and say, okay, now we are going to deal with this thing. Okay? Determine to see if the person's serious or not. What do I mean by that? There are people who like playing games and they're actually not serious about being set free. They want to just get rid of that one demon that's controlling them. They like the others. Especially some of the Satanists, they love the sex demons and some of the other things that are connected, demons of lust and all the other stuff. They love that. But they just want to get rid of that one demon that is controlling them. There's one demon that's causing trouble for them. So I want you to see that this is very important, that you must find out if they are serious, because if they're not serious, the demons are just going to come back. So, how do you deal with somebody who is not serious? Okay, now I used to do this, especially with Satanists, because this is always a lot of fun for me. Um, when they sit down and I know that they are not serious, they're playing games, and they just want this one demon gone, you can quickly sense that this is where they're going. So what I would do is this, is I would bind every demonic spirit that is in them and command them to go to this physical stomach. I'm not casting them out of their body, I'm pushing, putting them in a physical location in their stomach. Sometimes I can physically see their stomach kick, the way the demons are inside there. Then I would leave them and tell them to go home. After a week they're phoning me. Four or five times a day. Please, they used to call me Padre. Please, Padre, come, come help me, come help me. And I'm going, no, see me tomorrow. Because they've, they've messed around so long, the devil's not going to kill them, he can't do anything. It's just going to make it very uncomfortable. They can't eat, they can't sleep, they can't do anything, because these demons are just driving them nuts. The other advantage is, is sometimes when you're dealing with somebody, they're going to the trance, where they don't hear you. Then you command that demon to go into the stomach as well, because it keeps him away from the, from the um, what do they call it, the faculties. 
You know, so they, they can hear you, they, they are there, they can concentrate. So if that happens, you just command the demon to go into their physical stomach until you can handle it. Are you guys with me? Alright, but if they are serious, you now move on to the deliverance. Now I want to tell you something, when we come to deliverance, I only teach self-deliverance. Why? Because if I can teach the person how to deliver themselves, if they ever have an issue, they don't come back to me. Come on. I'm not looking for a job of chucking devils out all the time. The guys go, I saw you in 1943. You chucked the devil out. I got another one. You must do it again. I'm not going to line up people all the time. I will teach you how to do it. You sort the devil out yourself. So I believe very strongly in self-deliverance, whether you've got 5,000 demons inside of you. Kelly, this executioner that I was telling you about, he got himself delivered. I led him to the Lord, and I got himself delivered, standing 100 meters away from each other. Because the anointing was so strong on us that he was so into darkness, he couldn't come near us. And that demon was so strong, those demonic forces around him, because he had a spirit of death and murder and hatred. I mean, that guy physically murdered people in PE. And he would sit there, and that thing was so strong that he couldn't come into our presence or close to us. That I physically had to tell, speak to him from here to there. And I'm like thinking, you're such a high rank in the devil. I'm telling you right now, you are so scared of anything that's real Christian. It's awesome. I love it. That's why I used to torment the Satanists in town. I used to go and drink coffee with a high priest once a week. You go, Padre, I hate you. I said, I know. So give up on your God. Come serve mine. He's bigger than you. But that fear and that torment that they go through, okay, so tremendous. And so what they decided to do, every time I go and drink coffee, then you go and get a whole lot of Satanists and they come put curses on my house. They stand outside, they're putting curses on my house. Then I stand outside and I say, come inside, come curse inside, it's warmer. You don't have to curse outside, you can come do it here. I'll give you coffee. And then they get mad with me. Then they come back and then I say, listen, we put curses on you. We released the demons. They, they did go, but they come back and they be physically on fire and we physically get burnt. I go, awesome. Now, if you learned your lesson, come get set free. You see? They would play with the devil and they would sit down and get tormented and they would go through absolute hell but I'm telling you now, there is a time when they get desperate. There's one guy, he would never, he was messing around all the time. Until one day I really got tired of this. And I said, devil, I command you to expose yourself to this guy. This demon. Whatever was controlling him. He physically started to scream. He ripped his shirt off. And on his back, a pentagram started to appear in blisters. Listen, I was so impressed. I was like going, wow, this is cool. I mean, listen, I was young, okay. And I'm like going, I'm not trying to be sympathetic on this like one snatch. I'm going, yeah, you want to play with the devil? You come a fool. But the point is, I want you to know that the devil was out to kill these kids. And then the minute he got set free, God healed him. So I want you to know something. When you get to this place of self-deliverance, it is imperative that you tell the person, you have to keep the door closed, because if you keep on, it's going to get worse. Alright? And this fear thing is very important that you understand that it is there. This is what Satan does. 
Alright, so now you find the root. Okay, if there was a root, so that, and it's normally unforgiveness. Now you're going to the deliverance thing. Deliverance is handled in three ways, three parts. Repentance, forgiveness, and renouncing. Repentance, forgiveness, renouncing. Repentance, commit the person to the Lord. Get them born again. Give their hearts to the Lord. Even if they're born again, just do it again. So that they know we're on a path. Alright? Forgiveness. Now let me tell you something. A lot of the time, they can't forgive the person that hurt them. Sometimes there's some real traumas. I remember this one young lady that we were dealing with. We, she just would not tell us what the door was. I said, what happened in your life? Do you hate anybody? No. Do you mean to tell me you have got total forgiveness for everybody in your life? Yes, I'm fine. And she so demonizes, it's just scary. I said, no, but you're lying to me. She said, I'm not lying. Now, I know she's lying. So I said, okay. So I did what I did. I called the demon up. I said, demon, in the name of Jesus, I command you to speak to me. And then she's a girl, so she starts speaking in a man's voice. So I know it's not her. Okay. So I said, devil, in the name of Jesus, I command you to tell me what's the key for her deliverance. The devil tells me she needs to forgive and then I have to leave. So I said, cool. Teaching me my own notes. So I said, okay, devil, I command you to tell me what is the root? What happened to this girl that opened the door for your right? Says, when she was 10 years old, she was walking across a field and she got raped by this person, gave him the guy's name and everything. He described the whole thing to me. I said, okay, devil, in the name of Jesus, I command you to shut up and go down to the pit of her stomach. I want to talk to her. And she came back again. I said to her, listen, do you still not have unforgiveness to anybody? No. Everything's fine. I said, but why don't you tell me the truth? She said, I'm telling you the truth. I said, now why don't you tell me about Joe Soap who raped you on the field at this date and this time and this stuff? She just burst into tears right there. She says, how do you know? I said, because the devil told me. And I said, now, do you want to get set free? She said, yes. You know what is really sad? Her mother had given her a nickname. The nickname was the name of the demon. Every time she called her by a nickname, she was calling up this demon in her life. And so, I cast the demons out, a whole lot of them, she got set free. She's now a praise and worship leader in big churches around the world. In fact, she's actually been on TV and whatnot. If I mention her name, some guys might actually know her. For being a Satanist, being tormented, going through absolute hell, to leading people into the presence. Now that's deliverance. Okay? So I've had lots of fun with all of these characters. So now, once a person gets to the place where they can't forgive, how do you get past it? Look, she can't forgive that guy. So what do you do? You say, God, help me forgive that person. I can't do it in my own strength, this is too much trauma. God, I ask you right now to help me forgive that person who's done me wrong. And you know, God does something. Supernaturally, that person. And you know how many times I've had it, that even before they come to renouncing the devil, at that forgiveness time, they actually get set free immediately. When they let go of that unforgiveness, that devil has no more right in their life, and they have to go. And so, 
The last one is renouncing. Now renouncing is where you command the devil to leave the person. You say, I command you in the name of Jesus to loose this person and to leave them. Okay? And so this is how it goes. Let me give you an example. You say, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that I am born again. You lead them in this prayer. That I am born again. I thank you that I am your child. And as your child, you have given me all authority over every demonic spirit. So right now, I command every demonic spirit that is in my life to loose me, to come out and go where Jesus sends you. In Jesus' name. Simple as that. Deliverance can be sorted out in 20 minutes. I've had, I had one girl, she had over 300 demons. Every time she drew a pentagram, she would get another demon. They were like piling up. She had an interesting demon though. One of them was a demon of time. So I said to her, now you must understand, I don't name these 300 demons. I don't need to know all of that. This is when I was still learning. And you understand, I would like call up a demon and talk to him. Because I'm going to learn. The church won't teach me, so I decided, well, let the devil teach me himself. And I've got a way to tell him to tell the truth, so I don't want to teach you because you're going to try. But the point is, I now know how to do this quick. So I don't have these issues anymore. So now, this one demon she had was a demon of time. And I said, demon of time, what's the story? So the demon says to me, no, I make time go faster and slower just as she needs it. So in other words, like if a mother says to you, go study for an hour, after 10 minutes, the hour has gone by on all the clocks. Then she'll go out, and then she'll slow down time so that she can stay away longer. And then come back when she wanted to, 2 o'clock in the morning, but it's only 10 o'clock on the clock. All the clocks. So I said to the demon, listen, I think it's time that you go now. And he started to laugh at me. He goes, oh, that's a good one. I said, shut up, get out. <laughs> all right. So we've had all sorts of stuff, but they de- you see what happens is this, is they're deceptive, and they're all there to cause trouble. That's what a demon does. And they rule out of fear. I ended up casting a demon out of an eight-year-old child once. And when she got home, the demon was waiting for her. And said to her, if you don't let me back into your life, I will kill your mother. And it was a single parent. So I want you to know, we had to quickly teach people, and this, I really am grateful. One thing that I do appreciate about the devil, he does the same thing over and over, so it's easy to catch on. So what I do now is I teach people, listen, once you've been set free, that demon's not inside of you anymore, but he can come from the outside. And so there can be a demon on the outside, not necessarily the same one that was in you, because remember, I've now sent him where Jesus wants him to go. There'll be another one saying. So when that demon comes a second time inside your room, or from the outside, you bind him in Jesus' name and command him to go. Just as much as you got him out of you, you tell him to get out of your room. And they never have a demonic problem again ever in their lives. Unless they open another door. But the devil has no more right. So once you have prayed that renunciation prayer, I renounce every demonic spirit, I reject you, I command you to leave me and go where Jesus sends you, 
They prayed that prayer. Then I come and I lay hands on them and I say, in the name of Jesus, I release your peace. I release your anointing. I release your blessing. Some of them were so radical. I can remember now some of these cases, they were really radical in the dark. Okay? That when they got set free, the one girl, Tracy, I remember that she was so bad that her own mother didn't even recognize her when she came out of deliverance. That's how soft and gentle she became. I this one, my first experience of a real Satanist was in a church meeting. In Third Avenue um, ERC days, there's this church and it's a thin, narrow church. And the next second, the Satanist comes there and starts walking up the thing on the stage, all in leathers and black and black hair and everything. You know, goes to the stage and jumps on the chairs, the pastor's chairs, pulling Satan's signs behind the pastors and stuff. It was quite awesome to see. So now, there was no, some of the ushers there are not really spiritual, okay? They're just like big rugby oaks, decide, no, listen, this devil or no devil, we're going to take her out. So they come charging down the aisle to get hold of her. She runs out and starts jumping on all the cars and whatnot, on their roofs and whatnot. They grab her. They go lock her up because our senior pastor wasn't there at the time. He was away. They lock her up in the donkin until he gets back. He goes and he chucks the devil out and sorts her out. And the next week, she comes to church in a dress as feminine as anything that nobody even recognized there was a girl from last week. None of us even thought that she was even a resemblance of what we saw before. See, it just shows how much the changes. Okay? So, after you've prayed for the person, allow the anointing of God to come on their life. Let them get a touch of the presence of God. Because especially if they're in their cult, they need that touch to know that there's a living God. Then you say to them, okay, now it's post-deliverance time. In other words, what are we going to do to help you stay free? You can't just leave them. Take somebody who was a Satanist. For years, they've been exactly opposite to what the gospel says it must be. Somebody has to walk with them and change their thinking. Somebody has to walk with them to get them to believe the truth. Okay? Once a person's sober and out from under the anointing, you can start the post-deliverance counseling. This is where you teach the people how to, the person, how to keep the door closed and walk in victory. And you get them connected to a home cell or a church that can help with the follow-up. They need somebody who's going to walk with them. And that is how you do a deliverance of somebody coming with you. Okay. Now comes the thing. What happens if the oak starts screaming in church? Or in a meeting, Khanmol? Alright, the first thing that you do is you get the person out of the anointing. The longer they are in here, the more they're going to manifest. And so either the preacher has to take authority immediately and say, in the name of Jesus, you will not manifest, or devil come out straight away, and you can chuck them out. But then they need to go directly for post-deliverance counseling to let them understand what has happened. Okay? But the best way to do it is take the person out, Give them some tea and coffee, let them relax, and then bring them the next day for normal counseling. And deal with it properly because it lasts better, you know. Now there are times when I'll do both. There are times when I'll cast the devil out straight away. There are times when I feel like, listen, I need to counsel this person further. Okay? There are times when I'll sit down and I'll say, listen, sometimes the church needs to see the power of God in demonstration. 
But I will not let the person manifest for hours and hours. Some of these black TV channels you see, they will sit down and they will let the person manifest for 8 or 10 hours and stuff. That's humiliating, man. Okay, I'm not there to prove something. I'm there to set the people free. So, that's how you do it. Now, there's certain do's and don'ts in deliverance, and I'm nearly finished. Things that you do when you're going to do a deliverance. Pray before the deliverance if it's possible. Pray yourself up so that you're sensitive to what God wants. And also, you want the power of God so that devil starts stirring in that person so that they know that there is a clash. They get more desperate to say, I've got to get rid of this thing. Secondly, you've got to know and apply your weapons. I'll teach you next week about that. And then get others to help you if necessary. If you know that you're going to deal with this heavy case, don't go in there alone. Take two or three people with you. And especially if you're dealing a guy on a lady. I mean, don't be dumb. Somebody can accuse you of all sorts of stuff and you've got no defense, okay? Always have somebody with you. Alright? Pray for a total release after the, the deliverance of any spirits that might want to latch onto you. You see, it's not that you are now demonized and you're, you're casting out the devil and chucking it out. You don't want any devil connected on you when you go home. There might be 300 demons or 500 demons in that room. You don't want one of them take, going home with you. You know, some of the guys didn't listen to, it, to me, and they get home, and suddenly their car won't start. And then suddenly that night, there's demonic activity in their house, and they're going, why on earth is this? I said, did you cast off every demon around you? Oh no, we forgot to do that. Well, if you want to take them home with you and cause havoc in your own house, good luck. It's not that they have a right in your life, they just have a right in your house. Are you guys with me? So just release any demonic spirit around you. Any demonic influence around you. I bind that stuff and I command it to go with Jesus' hands. Sort it out one prayer. Now, this is very important. There's a few points you don't do in a deliverance. And people make big mistakes with this. You do not pray in tongues in a deliverance. I mean, the guys come and are going to do deliverance and suddenly everybody's praying in tongues. What is going to happen? You are going to have a manifestation. You've got light against darkness. You're increasing the anointing and the power in the room. You don't do that when you're busy with the deliverance. You don't want that manifestation until after they've cast out the devils. Then you can pray in tongues and release the power of God. Number two, you don't touch the person until the post-deliverance stage. You are all prayed up, you're full of the anointing, you touch them, you release the power, you're going to have a manifestation. That's how these guys end up with their offices in a wreck. Have you heard this, where the demons are throwing people around and chairs around and all of that? Why? Because they are releasing the anointing and there's a manifestation. So I don't touch anybody. They come for deliverance, I say, there's a chair, sit down there, we'll chat from here to there. And you can, I promise you, when you get to those levels, they are so scared, they are petrified, they just want to leave the building, they want to get as far away as possible, and that's where I really enjoy it. Because that is where light meets darkness, and they know like they know that God is greater than that thing inside of them, because they are so full of fear and torment. Don't bring buckets and other equipment. You must see this, I mean, there's this thing of, go and do yourself a favor, go to YouTube and see, do a thing on deliverance. You must see the rubbish that people have got, genuine. Okay, if you bring buckets and stuff, I promise you that people are going to puke. 
Why? Because you are creating a platform and the devil is going to perform so that he can distract you from casting him out. It's going to do stuff that is going to cause a distraction from what you're supposed to do. Even me talking to demons was a distraction and they would talk for hours. They would tell me whatever I wanted to know as long as I wasn't chucking them out. Now I learned a stack from them because I had no scripture and I needed to line it up, you know. So it's a demon who told me about the blood speaks. When a demon came up once and said to me, because what had happened was, they were at the platform and there was a room behind the platform. And I was busy with a major deliverance behind you. One of the, you know, one of those cases where they haul me out of the meeting because somebody's manifesting and I must go and sort out and there they are. And they were on one of these chairs, those office chairs with wheels that can spin. The next second, this person spins around and looks at the wall and is doing this the whole time. And I'm trying to talk and the guy goes, shh. It was a girl, but with a man's voice. And I go, what do you mean, shh? So they go, no, your pastor's preaching very well. I said, what do you mean my pastor's preaching well? And then I realized that they were looking through the wall at the pastor. And I'm going, no, listen, I haven't got time for this. And I laid hands on the wall, and I said, I release the blood of Jesus. And the next second, this oak started, well, the lady, started to scream. I said, what's going on? They said, no, it's burning me. I said, I can't look at the blood of Jesus. I said, what is with this blood of Jesus that gives you so much lip? And it's, the demon tells me, the blood speaks. Hebrews it says the blood speaks. The blood of Jesus speaks better things than that are able. I said, what do you mean the blood speaks? It says, so I said, what does blood say? It says, well, go away. You've got no place here. I go, uh-huh. So guess what I did every night after that when they came and put curses on my house. I said, God, I thank you for the blood of Jesus over my house. And every time they put a curse on it, that devil tormented his own people. It was lots of fun. And so, I want you to know that those are distractions. And so, what I did after that, I don't speak to demons anymore. I don't have people throwing stuff in my office anymore. I don't, my furniture is all fine. I sort this out in 20 minutes. You know, if I've got a major deliverance, there's not an issue. And so, don't take buckets and other equipment or set a platform for them. Don't attempt major deliverances alone. And don't take spectators into deliverance. See, I thought it was a great idea to do that. Any, any guy who wasn't serving God properly, I'd tell him to come help me. I'd tell him to come help me because then he could see all hell breaking loose and devils and stuff. And then I'd figure, well, now they'll go serve God properly after this, you know. Because, I mean, they saw some rough stuff. But the problem is this, is you can't do that because you bring fear in their hearts. It's not wise to put fear in their hearts when they're not ready. Because they know they've got sin in their life already. And you still show them, hey, listen, it's going to get worse if you don't sort your son's life out. So don't do that. So, in conclusion, you need to know your weapons. All right? You don't have to fast for demons, listen to me, to come out anymore. Remember Jesus says that kind only comes up by prayer and fasting? Remember Jesus paid the price. That stuff's all sorted out. He sorted out everything from the highest rank to the lowest rank. Okay, Jesus totally disarmed the entire demonic forces. There's nobody there that's got anything. So, 
here comes the question. Okay? When we come to demons, are you a little bit more confident that they're no big deal? Okay? They are only there to cause trouble, and they are there to cause bondage. And they are on the rank of wickedness in heavenly places. So now every one of us could actually do a deliverance after tonight. Everyone. And the most exciting thing is when you do your first one, and you actually get the person set free, and the devil listens to you. Then it's someone like her. Because then you go, this works. Listen, I was heavy impressed when the devil listened. You know? So I want you to know, God has given you the authority in his name. Above all of the other stuff, in his name. In the name of Jesus Christ, you will cast out devils. It's got nothing to do with how much anointing you got, how much faith you got. His disciples, even, I want to tell you, his disciples weren't even born again. Remember, they only got born again after Jesus raised from the dead. Before they were born again, they were chucking out devils. Come on. And yet we have made it that this is such a big deal. I've taught you tonight, what are demons and how to do deliverance in 20 odd minutes. So go and do what the Bible says you must go and do. Does this help you? Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for the plan and the purpose that you've got for each and every person. Lord, I pray right now that as we go tonight, Lord, we will know that demons are not an issue. But Lord, I pray right now that you'll help us to move in the power that you've given us. And Lord, that we will do what your word's telling us to do. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the message today. For more of my teachings, please visit our website, www.fathersheart.co.za. Or subscribe to our podcast by going to iTunes and search for Arthur Frost and subscribe to my sermons podcast. May we be richly blessed as we apply the truth of God's word as he reveals it to us. Many blessings and God bless.